what we're what we're looking at. We're looking at turning on the microphone, all right? We often read the Bible and cannot really, we read over it and, yep, that's what happened and we go on. <clears throat> but I want us to try to put ourselves in the place of some of these tonight and imagine if you would, if you were in that position, what would be your response? And and then we want to look at, at what some of the responses were. <clears throat> Hannah was married to Elkanah. Notice verse 4, And when the time came that Elkanah offered up his gifts, he gave to Paniah, that's his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah, also his wife, he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary, Paniah, also provoked her, Hannah, sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when he came to offer his yearly sacrifice, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. Verse 8, Then said Elkanah her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? And this is a typical male response. Am not I better unto you than ten sons? Look at me. You've got me. But this is a barren woman. And this is very, very important in these days. And I know he was trying to encourage her and and uh, build her up, but it probably drove her more into despair. And haven't we all been there and done that? But this is this is a dysfunctional family. I mean, put yourself and and you ladies are saying I would never put myself in a situation like that. Well. Understanding our culture, yes, she wouldn't, but this was the culture, and here she was, and year after year, not the favorite wife, but the second favorite wife, kept jabbing Hannah. Oh, look at all my kids, and, and, and year after year after year, this happened. So, there is a situation that is is very, very difficult. So, you know the story. She went before the Lord, and God answered her prayer and gave her Samuel. And she gave Samuel to the Lord and took Samuel to Eli. Now, think of this. This is your firstborn son, and you give him to Eli. And Eli was a rascal high priest. Both his sons did not turn out well. I mean, you're giving your prize firstborn to be raised. And, you know, I sometimes try to think in 
visualize some of these things. She would go to visit and, and a typical, a typical human being. Samuel may say, Mom, you won't believe what goes on in Eli's house. I'm going to yank you out of there and take you to a different place to mentor you. I mean, very easily could have done that and responded. So Samuel is under Eli, but then we go on. Samuel is the prophet of God, and and we're not going to take time to go into details. You're going to go through more of this Wednesday night. But Samuel then is directed by God to anoint Saul to be king. You would think Saul would have a, a sense of respect and honor and faithfulness and loyalty. And I, I want you as my right-hand man. I, I want you to be a part of my cabinet. You're familiar with the story. Samuel was neglected, lied to. Saul took matters into his own hands. Um, he was rejected by Saul. Samuel's facing a lot of rejection. First, he, back up a little bit, he took it as the nation of Israel when they said, we don't want Samuel as a judge, we want a king. And God said, Samuel, don't take it personal. They're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. But then he was rejected by Saul. Fast forward. You're now young David. And God has used you to bring a tremendous victory in Israel over Goliath. And what do you get? Well, you get invited to the king's court. But fast forward. All of a sudden, you're in the king's court. And a spear comes flying at you. Ah, maybe he's not so fond of me. <laughs> you know, you don't have to be very bright to know that, wow, this isn't a safe spot, safe space, huh? And, and you go on and read about David's life. It's a, it's a love-hate relationship. Saul then says, oh, you're better to me than others and 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 then he's trying to kill him again, and David's running for his life, and continually running for his life. And in all that, how do you respond? When evil is coming against you personally, or it could have been... The people of that time as well, thinking, that isn't right. I mean, David just saved Saul's neck from the Philistines, and now he's, he's trying to kill him. That isn't right. Well, you know, many of the Psalms were written by David, and many of them were written... From personal experience, 
of being chased and running for his life and hiding in caves. And think how you would have responded if you come out to the front of your cave and you find Saul sleeping there. This is the guy that's trying to kill you. God has given me my enemy. Yeah. I mean, that'd be a natural response. But he said, nope, I'm not going to touch God's anointed. I believe one of the reasons that David was a man after God's own heart was his his definite respect for authority. But put yourself in some of these situations. How do you respond? And I believe Psalm 37, if you'd turn there if you would, Psalm 37 gives us great, great wisdom from the personal experience of David. Psalm 34, we know, was directly written when, when David um, changed his behavior before Abimelech. But Psalm 37 doesn't give us directly the time. But I'm, I want us to look at this tonight in the sense that as Hannah and Samuel and David and Jonathan were confronted with evil. What does Samuel say, or David say in Psalm 37? Three things that we ought to do, or three major groupings. Number one, fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. The evildoers, be it Hannah's, what do you call, co-wife, stepwife, I don't know what you'd even call that. But that evildoer, or Eli, or Saul, or the Philistines, or on and on. And David said, fret not thyself because of evildoers. Why? He says, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass. The word fret that he uses here, it, it, it's a Hebrew word that means to burn. You know, when you get, when you get worked up about something, there's a, there's a burning in us. There's an energy. And it's easy to get that when you see evil men prospering. But he says, realize, step back and realize. They will be cut off. Notice verse 2, it says, For they shall soon be cut down like the grass, and wither as the green herb. Verse 9, For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait on the Lord shall inherit the earth. Verse 10, And yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Notice, he keeps reminding this over and over. There are very wicked situations and people and you may have somebody at work that is just a, a very wicked person, and it, it may just drive you nuts. But understand, they're in. Notice verse 15. 
Well, verse 14, the wicked have drawn out their sword and bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy and to slay such as be of an upright conversation. Their sword shall enter into their own heart and their bows shall be broken. Notice verse 17. The arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. Notice verse 20. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs. They shall consume, into smoke shall they consume away. Notice verse 34. Wait on the Lord, and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. And he goes on and mentions over and over again. And so he's saying, don't get bent out of shape about the wicked. It doesn't mean you approve it, but we can get consumed with it that we, we fail to, to function as God has called us to do. He says, don't fret about them. Realize they shall soon be cut down like the grass. They're cut off. They're broken. They're no more. They perish. So the first thing he says is fret not. But then he says, focus on God. And you notice he says, verse 3, Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thy dwell in the land. Delight thyself also in the Lord. So here we are. There are legitimate wrong things in your life. Circumstances, people, evil in your life. And our focus can get on that and we talk to others about it and we meditate on it and that was not right what they did and this wasn't right. And and we go over and over it and he says, no, do not do that. Fret not because of evildoers. God will take care of them. Turn your focus on God. Delight yourself also in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. And notice he says, Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. He's turning our focus to the faithfulness of God. Trust also in the Lord. He'll take care of you. Notice verse, focusing on God. Notice what it produces. Verse 6, And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as thy light, And thy judgment is the noonday. Notice verse 17. The arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. Notice verse 24. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. So the Lord, the wicked is here, coming in like a flood. You turn your focus to God, to the faithfulness of God. In his righteousness, he will bring righteousness. He upholds us. Notice verse 18. The Lord knoweth the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. God knows. God knew everything that Hannah was experiencing when that other woman was tormenting. God knows. And there may be nobody else that knows exactly what your bearing with, but God knows. That's why we need to turn our focus off the wicked 
And on to God. God, I am glad that you are intimately aware of what's going on in my life. You know my heart. You know every circumstance of this situation. And I, I am committed to focusing on you. And when we focus on God, verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. You focus on God and he'll give you the next step to take. We don't focus on God. We're on our own. And, and he brings in us the delights of God. He directs us and he brings delights. He strengthens us. Though he fall, he shall not be cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him. He strengthens us. Verse 29. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. Strengthening of the Lord. And focusing on God to realize God loves justice. Notice verse 28. For the Lord loveth justice or judgment. And forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. God will bring justice. And there may be a situation that's not right. It may be Eli. It may be Saul. It may be Paniah. But whatever it is, God will bring justice. It may be a relative, it may be a co-worker, it may be a neighbor. But if you, if you turn your focus on that, you will fret and fret. But if you turn your focus on God, God, you are my focus. And you can rest in the fact that God knows and God will strengthen and God will give direction and God will bring judgment. He says in Romans 12, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And he says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him to drink. For in so doing, you shall heap coals of fire on his head. God will bring justice. Yeah, but I want it right now. No. Leave it to God. We don't know all the details. So, fret not, focus, and get busy. Trusting God isn't just sitting back, twiddling your thumbs, and and saying, okay, God, do something. Notice what it says. Verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Verse 27, depart from evil and do good. And dwell forevermore. So, rather than focusing on the injustice, Hannah trusted God and did good. She went and sought the Lord. She fasted and prayed. She did good. What is there the good that I can do? Verse 21. Show mercy. The wicked borroweth and payeth not again, but the righteous showeth mercy and giveth. Notice verse 26. 
A righteous man is ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Why? We have freely, abundantly received mercy. So to show mercy, to be merciful, and that should be a, a hallmark of a believer. That should be a, a, a determining characteristic of a believer that we are merciful. Rather than fretting about this and this isn't right and I'm going to make that right and getting bitter, we focus on God and we look for ways to do good and show mercy. And we depart from evil. Verse 27, depart from evil and do good. You want an interesting study, just go through Psalm 37 and mark all the verbs that tell you what to do. We're just mentioning some of these. So see, rather than wallowing in the evil, we depart from evil, we do good, we show mercy. And verse 30, the mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom. And his tongue talketh of justice or judgment. Speak wisdom. Speak truth. Speak about God. Speak of the characteristics of God. Speak of things from God's perspective. That's wisdom. And then, verse 31. The law of his God is in his heart None of his steps shall slide. Personalize the word of God. The law of God is in his heart. I'm taking Psalm 37 and I'm making it mine personally. I'm applying it to my situations, my injustices, my things that don't seem right to me. But God's using it. It didn't seem right to Hannah. But God was using it. It didn't seem right to Samuel. And, and Samuel was in, in grief over them wanting a king. But this was all in fulfillment of God's prophecy that Israel would have a king. And that Jesus would sit on the throne of King David. And he trusted God. And... And that trust of God is manifested in our obedience. To look for ways to do good. To look for ways to show mercy. To depart from evil. No, I'm not going there. Our mind is always pulling us into the flesh, into the evil. No, I take captive every thought and bring it into, that isn't right. And they're not fair to me and they're just rejecting me. No. God's using this in my life. How can I do good? How can I speak wisdom? How can I personalize the word? The reality of this. This is, this is David. Psalm 37 is David. And this is truths that were tried in the fire. You imagine. Just try to imagine. You may have had somebody that you thought didn't like you too much. Have you had anybody that was hunting you down, not just one night in a fit of rage, but was committed 
day after day to kill you. And David's writing this out of that. Surely, this voice of experience, it applies to every situation we'll ever face. So he says, fret not thyself because of evildoers. There there are evildoers that, for me, just hearing their name kind of gets my blood boiling. I'm not even going to mention their names because I don't want my blood starting to boil already. And I have to come back and say, wait a minute, don't, that's not the problem. That, the problem is Satan wants me to get focused on that. I need to focus on God and I need to be doing good. And he loves to get our focus on, I mean, you can get a hundred emails a day and text messages and you can watch the news and evil is everywhere and you can read the newspaper and there are all kinds of things for us to get our focus. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. They shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. And we need to keep bringing ourselves back to that or we'll get completely distracted in fretting about evildoers. This is a rubber-meets-the-road psalm that is tested and tried and true by the life of David, and it's the voice of experience saying, realize this, God will bring justice. Trust in the Lord and do good. Heavenly Father, I pray tonight that the individual situations that may not be someone hunting us down, but it may be something that just kind of sits in our craw wrong, maybe something that, that just gets us sideways with life, it may be something that is not right. It's, it's an injustice. But Lord, help us not to let that become our focus. May our focus be on you. May we delight in your character, in your person, in your works, in your grace, in your mercy. And Lord, then may we trust you and do good. Lord, I pray that there'd be some refocusing in our lives here tonight. I know personally it's easy for me to get fretting about things. Lord, I pray that we would trust you and do good knowing that you will take care of it in the end, and you are the only one that can take care of it. So I pray that there'd be people brought to the liberty and freedom of trusting you. And Lord, help us to be diligent to fight the good fight, the fight that takes place in our mind that wants to go into the self-centered 
grudge and bitterness and I just pray that we would take captive every thought and bring it into obedience to you. And that we may truly know the delights of you in this world. Filled with evil, evil around us, but more importantly, the evil in us. And may we walk in victory over it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.